0: About that little wager of yours. Count me in. What are the terms? If I win, then that hot little car of yours is mine. And if I win? I'll give you something you've been obsessing about ever since our parents got married.
1: You're listening to Movie Things with Lindsay and Gary.
2: Season 3, episode number 1.
1: And this episode's called...
2: We're Back with Cruel Intentions.
1: That's right, we're back. It's season 3 and I'm so excited. It's been a while. It has. Wish we could say that we'd been somewhere, but let's face it, we're like most of you listeners. We've been at home. We've been just hanging.
2: We've been nowhere, we've done nothing, but we have watched Cruel Intentions.
1: And we're here to talk about it. (laughs)
2: So it released in 1999.
1: And a teen drama. And it has an all-star cast, um, including Sarah Michelle Geller, Reese Witherspoon, Ryan Phillippe, Selma Blair, Josh Jackson.
2: You could go on and on. You really could. It's a, a, it's, a,
1: it's a who's who of who was hot in 1999.
2: Directed by a guy called Roger Cumble, who also made, get this, Falling In Love. What? The Netflix one where the girl wins an inn in New Zealand.
1: That's a heartwarming tale. It is the complete opposite of Cruel Intentions. It
2: is. It is. I think <laughs> Roger Cumble's um, mellowed over time.
1: Yes, definitely. <laughs> so, before we get into the plot of Cruel Intentions. A
2: spoiler alert.
1: Yes, indeed. So, we are going to be talking about this film the way we talk about all of our films here at Movie Things. We're going to be going into quite a lot of detail. Um, if you haven't seen Cruel Intentions, I mean,
2: you've had 20 years.
1: You've you've had more than 20 years to get on that. Um but <laughs> we're going to be giving away quite a lot of plot points including the ending. So if you want to go catch up and then come back and join us, that's awesome. But if you've already seen it or if you're happy to listen to us chat about it, that's cool too. Grab some snacks, settle on in and let's get started.
2: Do you have a snack with cruel intentions?
1: I didn't actually see the characters in Cruel Intentions eat terribly much.
2: They're too wealthy. They probably eat poor people.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, that's so dark.
2: It's a different film.
1: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Okay, so Cruel Intentions um, is set in New York and it focuses on the lives of some very wealthy, very elite teenagers in Manhattan. Um, What can I say? They're like... You know, some of them are bad people and so some, some of them are good people. Um, there's, the film opens with an incredible opening sequence uh, with one of the main characters, Sebastian, played by Ryan Philippe, in his car racing towards his therapist's office. It's, in the first five minutes of the film, I think you get exactly the right summary of who this guy is and what he's all about.
2: Yeah, Sebastian. Like, always makes me laugh. Like, there's a, a lot to unpick here. <laughs> he basically cuts about increasingly bougie locations and his vintage Jaguar. Um, at one point later on, skipping ahead a wee bit, and we'll will come back. But he even turns up in like a vintage wooden wheelchair because, of course, <laughs> he's like the prototype hipster.
1: Yeah, I would I would say that's entirely fair.
2: And the movie starts with the longest pan. I think I've ever seen in a film, but it's actually, you don't realise at first, but it's actually panning through a cemetery yeah. before it fixates on his ridiculous vintage Jaguar.
1: Yeah, he's beautiful 1956 Jaguar roadster.
2: <laughs> While well, he's on the way to the therapist, who is one of the worst therapists. <laughs> <laughs> for all the money Sebastian has, I get the impression he's the kind of guy who's going to the therapist, to just prove to himself that he can outsmart the therapist.
1: Yeah, definitely. I don't think he's
2: really taking much value from no, these sessions other no. than that.
1: So he and his stepsister Catherine revel um, in being bad and ruining people's lives and basically trying to one-up each other. Um, all the while, Sebastian always documenting their antics in his trusty journal and their world of manipulation has a few threads running through the duration of the film, and that, that's really what the whole the whole plot is about. Sebastian sets himself a challenge that he says will be his greatest victory, a conquest, and he sets himself a bet that he is basically going to sleep with Annette, played by Reese Witherspoon, who is the daughter of his new headmaster at his prestigious prep school.
2: Yeah, so one thing that always strikes me about the film is that we never meet Sebastian and Catherine's parents. I don't think we even see a picture of the parents mm. at any point. And you really don't know a massive amount about their backstory. So it's kind of tough to understand like where they came from and what set them on this path. Like One of the things that I think we'll talk more about and one of the things I really like about this film is just how mean most people are. Yeah. The only thing I of liken it to is like Brett Easton Ellis and that sort of materialism. Mm-hmm. I really like that though. It's what sets it apart from other like sort of generic teen oh, rom-coms yeah. at the time.
1: Definitely. But
2: we don't really know anything about their background apart from the fact that they are super rich. They have this ridiculous house that they stay in that's humongous. Yeah. But every location they visit is just more grand. And elaborate, the yeah, uh-huh, like yeah. He goes to his aunts at one point and that's somehow within touching distance of his apartment in New York, but got fields for horses and yeah. there's some sort of sprawling mansion, so yeah. what I'm getting at I suppose is, you don't really know why they're as mean as they are.
1: No, all you know is that they're stepbrother and stepsister, and they seem to be two of a kind. They're both pretty twisted people and they seem to just find joy in wrecking people's lives and Playing tricks on people.
2: I uh, basically, it kind of feels like they've ended up getting caught in all these wee games because they've kind of yeah. run out of anything else to do. They've got so much wealth that they've been through every other activity, and they're so bored that they just set each other wee challenges, just with the goal of making other people miserable.
1: Yeah, I find it pretty difficult. Well, there's a few th- right. There's a few things I find pretty difficult to believe in this film, but one of them is probably that these two characters are meant to be seventeen.
2: Aye, there's a lot of that in it, there's a lot of that in it, because I think I was reading...
1: Not in a Grease um, way, not not it's visually, not as bad as it's, it's more their behaviour and the fact that we're supposed to buy that they're basically much smarter than every other person, including any adult that ever encounters them.
2: They're able to fully manipulate every single person that they come across, yep. even though at that age... I still don't think I had the life experience to phone and make a doctor's appointment. <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's some pretty interesting fashion choices in this film. The, the costume designer, um, Denise Wingate, was also the costume designer for quite a lot of films uh, that came out around that time. Like, she's all that, and um, The Sweetest Thing, and um, obviously Cruel Intentions, too.
2: obviously cruel intentions too
1: yeah never did catch that one
2: no that's not on the list um yeah there's quite a lot to unpick fashion wise in cruel intentions like my first comment is how does sebastian have so much money and he can't find a shirt that fits i
1: know his
2: clothes are are pretty bizarre but a wee bit more interestingly i suppose like one thing that you notice is they use clothes to sort of signify good and evil all the time in the film like Sebastian and Catherine are always in dark clothes. And Reese Witherspoon is basically always in white. Yeah,
1: yeah. Or
2: at least light coloured clothes. And Selma Blair brings a wee bit of colour to it as well. Yeah. But there's some hilarious scenes where Sarah Michelle Geller is basically. She's channeling that sort of Jackie Kennedy and mourning for like a wee picnic in the there's, park.
1: There's a hilarious scene where <laughs> Catherine takes Cecile, who's Selma Blair's character, who we'll get to in a moment, and they're having a picnic in the park and Catherine is dressed like a, a 40-year-old woman whose husband died <laughs> under mysterious circumstances. But that's
2: kind of her vibe isn't yeah. it. Like, I'm, I'm here Femme for fatale. that. I'm yeah. here for that, though, because... Femme Fatale is the perfect way to put it, she's got that really manipulative film noir Femme Fatale thing down to an yeah. absolute T.
0: Where were we? Oh yes, the celebration. And shall we toast to? To my triumph.
2: It's not my choice to toast, but it's your call. To
0: your triumph over Annette. <laughs> What's so funny? Silly rabbit. My triumph isn't over her. It's over you.
2: And you don't see that and like see some of those movies you rhymed off like she's all that and Mm -hmm. stuff like that and ones we've talked about in the podcast before like 10 Things I Hate About You there's not anything approaching a femme fatale in any of those films and that's what I appreciate about Cruel Intentions
1: yeah and you're right Denise Wingate used the outfits to help visually design the characters so Reese Witherspoon her character, Annette, was very preppy. She wears a lot of cardigans and light colours, which is obviously meant to hint at, at her innocence. And then Ryan Philippe and Sarah Michelle Geller's characters, they dress in dark colours and luxury fabrics, basically to suggest that they're very evil and very wealthy people.
2: <laughs> One thing I think quite interesting about the, the fashion in that as well is I don't think it helps you easily place the film in terms of when it was made. Yeah. Like it's sorta of, I know that they, they do have mobile phones, but it's not really relied upon in it. And I think it's maybe because maybe we nod nod to the source material. It's obviously based on like a classic book and mm-hmm. there's films that follow that book as well, like Dangerous Liaisons and stuff like that. And I think because it comes from like classic source material, it maybe doesn't rely too much on modern Yeah tropes and things. Mm. Like you say, the luxury dark fabrics and then the preppy white wool and stuff like yeah. that. I think like you can't really place it in terms of the cheesy American pie type style of like baggy jeans and, and band t-shirts or anything, you know?
1: Definitely, and I think you know Sebastian has basically two prized possessions in this film. There's his car, which is obviously from the 50s, but then there's his journal, which he's never without. He's always got his <laughs> faithful journal with him writing down all of the bad things that he and Catherine have been up to.
2: (laughs) The journal really makes me laugh because, again, in another, Sebastian's the ultimate um, early hipster. His journal is held closed with a nice thin length of twine. (laughs) 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 Did you have a a keep-a-dear-diary-style journal?
1: Yeah, I loved a good diary when I was a kid. I remember I had a Dalmatian print filofax.
2: Held together with a length of twine.
1: No, just held together (laughs) with more faux fur. (laughs) (laughs) And I think even in the sort of mid-90s, I might have even upgraded to an electronic personal organiser.
2: So see, I have questions about them because I never had one. Was it literally just like an address book or could you actually write like a diary in it?
1: I think you could keep notes in it for sure like secret notes.
2: Secret notes.
1: The whole point. With
2: a password of 1234.
1: Exactly. Like, <laughs> But I think that when I was a kid there was definitely a bit of an overestimation of what precious information like a 10 year old kid we'd need to keep in a locked personal or- organizer
2: I think that's why I never kept a diary I've always been very very aware of how mundane my own existence is <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like I don't even want to write this never mind read it and I wouldn't want anybody else to have to so I'd feel sorry for them they're like oh yes I found his diary and then like two pages in they're like how many Twixies can a guy eat <laughs>
1: <laughs> so getting back to Catherine I would say most iconic Of all of her outfits And accessories has to be her Crucifix necklace Which plays a massive role in the film It's kind of a symbol for her masquerading As a good upstanding young woman But on the inside it's a different Very dark story
2: It's where she keeps her drugs
1: Yeah it's insane I was, That blew my mind as a, as a kid watching that film <laughs>
2: She really does have the whole, like, double life thing going on where at school she's, like, the absolute perfect student. She's head of, I don't know, whatever, like, the student council. Yeah. And she has the perfect school uniform. She has the crucifix, but it's hiding a guilty secret. Yeah. But it's quite hard to believe because she's so evil and so mean that she could keep up that facade for any longer than a few days. But obviously the inference here is that she's been... Like able to keep that up throughout her whole academic life yep. and it's almost just about to slip right as she gets towards the end of her school career.
1: Yes so she has been tasked with looking after Cecile who's played by Selma Blair who again you're kind of in a sort of gre- cast of Greaseway supposed to believe that Selma Blair's going into her first year of high school
2: Hi, that's a hard sell
1: Interestingly enough, Selma Blair was 27 when she made this 27? film. 27? Yep.
2: Jesus, when I was 27, I'd looked like I'd done six years in the coal mine. <laughs> <laughs> but that gives you some great scenes because Selma Blair kind of lightens the mood a little bit because it is...
1: She's quite She's quite dippy.
2: When I say dark, I'll, I'll talk about this a wee bit later, maybe when we're summing up the film. I don't think the film's as dark, as witty and as clever as it thinks it is. Um, so I keep saying, oh, it's pure dark and stuff, and it's not as as much as I'm maybe making it but sound. But when
1: you compare it to its peers of the time... Exactly, yeah. aye,
2: it definitely is that element. But Selma Blair brings a wee bit of comedic effect because she's younger than them.
1: <laughs> Even though, <laughs> but, actually, in real life, she was older than them. Aye,
2: but she's young and she's very, very naive, and she relies upon them to teach her stuff, which she shouldn't because they're terrible people, and that brings a lot of comedy to the film. Yeah, And a lot of the scenes that... You sort of remember and it stood out when you were watching this as like a 15, 16, 17 year old.
1: So Sebastian's plot to sleep with Annette goes a little bit pear-shaped when he unexpectedly falls in love with her.
2: Unexpectedly, yeah, because that never happens.
1: <laughs> well, this surprises him, but see, to be honest, not as much as it surprised me. They basically had a quick dip in a swimming pool and a visit to an old folks home, and apparently that just set the perfect scene for them to fall in That's love. That's
2: all it takes. <laughs> <laughs> but that oh that bit always gets me because you think a man of Sebastian's upstanding and smarts would have read this book a hundred times before. Yeah. And he knows if he makes that bet he's gonna fall in love with her and everything's gonna go to pot. Because that's the story.
1: But he's supposed to be this
2: really tough cookie. So it's not going to happen to him.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's not going to happen to him. She's just a conquest and that's it. But Annette manages to achieve what's apparently the impossible and makes him laugh. And that tough exterior starts to crumble a little bit.
2: Makes him laugh by just pulling, like, daft faces. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this man has never laughed and I, don't, I can't decide. I'm going to say 17 years. Could be anything between, like, 17 and 27, I suppose, now. Um, but nothing's ever made him laugh until Reese Witherspoon a face yeah
1: yeah it broke
2: him and now he's a changed man now he's been the dark clothes and he's cutting about in rainbow (laughs) (laughs) t-shirts sprightly jogging down the street
1: it astounds me how gullible all the other characters are in this film compared to catherine and sebastian that people seem so easily manipulated and they just do what they're told and as the viewer, you're kind of just meant to believe that they're really, really intelligent and convincing as if people are like, well, he's got a black polo neck on so he knows what he's talking about.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, we just need to feel sorry for those people because Sebastian and Catherine would have got any of us. i <laughs>
1: <laughs> would just be glad it didn't happen to you.
2: <laughs> it's funny though because what that leaves me with the feeling that you're really not able to root for any character in this film because the bad guys are bad and the good guys are so gullible that you can't like them either. You think? I think it goes back to that whole like kind of Bret Easton Ellis thing I was talking about earlier. Like it's got that whole, you've got the really affluent people you can't relate to. You've got really gullible folk that you can't relate to. You've got some pretty dreadful dialogue that you can't really <laughs> relate to. But it's like it's a, a good watch. I don't mean to put. Anybody offer to give the wrong impression that I don't enjoy it? I do. It's just one of those films that you watch, and you're not. I don't think you're really siding with anybody. Maybe Reese Witherspoon a little bit. If I yeah, had to pick one out from she, the crowd, she's, she's an, the good guy. She,
1: she's the good guy.
2: But aye, there's not a lot of redeeming features to go around in this film.
1: There's definitely an eclectic cast of characters, uh, from Bruden Sebastian to kind of Dotty Cecile, and even. A pretty funny performance from joshua jackson who plays blaine one of sebastian's associates
2: it's an absolute who's who of the end of the 90s yeah, in terms of these really, sort of really, teen films and tv programs
1: it really was in fact the soundtrack is pretty much the ideal 90s mixtape packed with placebo fat boy slim the verve the cardigans
2: that's what, I've, that's what I said to say. I said that as a wee teenage goth, the placebo song was a big draw for me. Mm. But it's got some other strong tunes in there. The soundtrack is like the absolute epitome of 1999 yeah, in music. it is. Sticking with the era, will I drop my first facto of the season?
1: I would love to hear your first facto of the season.
2: <laughs> so the first facto of season three is going to take us into familiar territory. You'll understand when we get there. Cruel Intentions was nominated for a Worst Remake Award at the 22nd Annual Stinkers Bad Movie Awards.
1: The Stinkers Bad Movie Awards?
2: (laughs) Imagine winning a stinker.
1: (laughs) Imagine having an awards show called The Stinkers running for 22 years.
2: (laughs) I wonder if it's still going. Um, I I don't really like these mean-spirited worst of the year type awards, but this one made me laugh, so stick with me. Nominated for worst remake because the film is obviously considered a remake of 1988's Dangerous Liaisons, which stars Glenn Close and John Malkovich. I'm going to take you through some other choice selections from that year of the Stinker Awards.
1: Okay. (laughs) Hit me with them.
2: I want you to guess what won worst picture at the
1: 1999 stinker awards i don't know wild wild west
2: <gasps> no <laughs> moving on
1: my beloved will smith
2: i would like you to guess what won most painfully unfunny comedy at the 1999 <laughs> stinker awards it had
1: better not be wild west
2: <laughs> where next award was given to the worst screenplay for a film grossing over 100 million dollars
1: It can't have been Wild Wild West, oh my goodness.
2: And finally, the worst resurrection of a TV show. Well,
1: Wild Wild West wasn't based on a TV show, was
2: it? It sure was. Oh my God. All in all, Wild Wild West had 10 nominations at the 1999
1: Stinker Awards. Well, now all I can think about is if I can somehow get that TV show on Prime.
2: (laughs) Tying Phantom Menace for the most wins with four apiece.
1: That's quite an achievement
2: (laughs) so that's my facto for the week while we're here though i'll throw in another wee bit of knowledge okay the original working title was cruel
1: inventions (laughs) that sounds that sounds like the unauthorized biography or something would be called that
2: when they tested it with film audiences they thought it sounded like a science fiction film (laughs) (laughs) imagine that pans up through the cemetery onto Sebastian's car and everybody's like, this is called Cruel Inventions, I bet this car's going to take off
1: <laughs> I bet he's a mad scientist that invented this car <laughs> Oh, if it took off it would really be like Greece <laughs> oh, No,
2: not going back there So, two main taglines for this film that really make me laugh okay. okay. The first one is Deliciously evil, wickedly sexy What more could you ask? <laughs> In the second one, this one might be even better. In the game of seduction, there is only one rule. Never fall in love.
1: Wow, that's (laughs) deep. That's really dramatic. And, you know, a lesson for us all.
2: There's a lot we can take from Cruel Intentions
1: Yeah When was the first time you'd seen this film? Oh no Did you see it at the cinema? Aye I was, <laughs> I was
2: hoping to avoid this topic
1: You can't have had it's an embarrassing a story about Cruel Intentions Oh you as didn't me. watch
2: it with your parents did you? No Okay okay well, I'll tell mine first and then you can tell yours
1: Okay you so, remember mine when I started telling you
2: So I actually went to the cinema to see this with my pal <laughs> Which is a kind of weird film choice for a, a bit of a bro date. But I didn't actually know what we were going to see. Like he picked. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm sticking to this story. I remember, I don't think I was quite old enough to get in. Like I don't. I think it came out the year I was 15. And I don't think I'd quite turned 15 yet or mm-hmm. something like that. Right. So I had to kind of blag my way in to see this film called Cruel Intentions which I kind of assumed from the title. I mean, it's got the word cruel in it. It'll be something. My pals picked it. We like horror films. It's a 15. It's called Cruel Intentions. I didn't really expect it to be a kind of romantic um, sexual awakening. <laughs> <laughs> to sit with my pal in the old Odeon um, and enjoy together So a bit a bit of a strange one Like I say, I remember really enjoying the soundtrack, Placebo I was on board, but I was very, very conscious all the way through it That it was a bit of a strange one to go see as 2 15-year-old guys
1: Yeah, just two like completely platonic friends Aye.
2: <laughs> <laughs> So, I'm intrigued, what's your story?
1: Well, on a slightly similar note to yours A year after Cruel Intentions came out, I attempted to buy it on DVD. Yes, and got rejected (laughs) because
2: you didn't have ID.
1: Because at that point, I was only 15, (sighs) and the guy in our price wouldn't sell me it, because he asked me for ID. He asked me how old I was, and I said, I'm 15, which we know me, I'm like... Um, Jim Carrey and liar, liar, I can't lie. So, he said, <laughs> but you
2: would have got quite nervous.
1: He, he said, Well, he said, How old are you? And I said, I'm 15. and He said, Have you got ID? And I was like, Well, no, because I'm 15. <laughs> and he wouldn't sell me it. And
2: I might have been doing you a favour.
1: I mean, I don't know if I if I was ready for something. Is whatever whatever the tagline is, deliciously wicked and.
2: I don't know, man. You'd listen to a lot of Prince by fifteen. I don't think Real Intentions was teaching you much.
1: <laughs> Couldn't show my face in our price again. <laughs> I was rejected. They wouldn't let me buy the DVD. It was very embarrassing and. Yeah. Did
2: you go home and write about it in your diary?
1: <laughs> So getting back to the plot of the film Annette and Sebastian start to fall in love And the bold Catherine is not best pleased to see her stepbrother find happiness And naturally goes to her default setting and starts to plot how to ruin their relationship
2: The way that she decides to ruin their relationship doesn't really make a lot of sense I guess To anyone other than Catherine she basically just decides to sleep with Selma Blair's music teacher, yeah, so... which has no relevance at all. To like,
1: <laughs> uh, I'll show him <laughs>
2: to that other love affair. Huh. She just continues her sort of mean streak.
1: Yeah. yeah, Catherine easily convinces the cello instructor that Sebastian has lost his mind and is on some sort of violent warpath. So Ronald goes to find Sebastian. And tragically, Sebastian ends up being hit by a taxi and killed.
2: It doesn't work any better on screen than how you've just described it. So I don't, I, want, I don't want anybody thinking that's not seen this film before that you're missing key points. It literally just does go like that.
1: I feel like when I explain this film, it sounds like I'm making it up.
2: No, it's literally like it just goes from I don't like any of these people to a oh, noise deed <laughs>
1: <laughs> Ever the model student, Catherine gives a heartfelt eulogy at Sebastian's memorial service in front of the whole school.
2: Coked at her mind.
1: <laughs> she's had a visit to the bathroom with her favourite necklace before that. Just when she thinks she's gotten away with it all and she's coming to the end of her speech, she notices a commotion and our classmates all start to get up and leave during her speech.
0: It might be hard to see, but... What we should learn from this experience is to be true to ourselves and to resist the temptations of peer pressure. As student body president, I've tried to set an example in myself. Unfortunately, the one person I could not reach out to in time was my stepbrother Sebastian. I know he's looking down on us today and. Uh, um. I know he's looking down on us today, and he'd want me to say... He'd want me to say, Catherine... He'd want me to say, Catherine, I'm sorry! What is going on? Don't you people have any respect?
2: And it turns out, and we don't really see how or how this collusion's happened, but it seems like Reese Witherspoon, Selma Blair, they've got together, they've got the diary, they've untied the twine, they've <laughs> photocopied it as many times as need be, and they've created a nice wee booklet for the whole school, which basically outlines Sebastian's thoughts on everybody.
1: But mainly Catherine.
2: And his other conquests. Yeah. Which somehow they take that to be that he was the good guy of the piece, and they all hate Catherine now. Yeah. But it's a beautiful ending. I absolutely love this. So they leave Sebastian's memorial. And everyone's outside reading the diary. And if you can picture it, it just, it makes me laugh so, so much. In slow motion, all the students look up from the diary, stare at Catherine, who's sort of standing herself. She's rushed out to see what the commotion is. And in perfect slow motion, they just all shake their heads in terrible disappointment. And I absolutely (laughs) love it. It's like the movie ending equivalent of a slow clap.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And it's... Beautifully set off by the opening bars of Bittersweet Symphony by The Verve. And I'm not like a massive fan of that song, but I think it's really effective in the end of that film.
2: I don't really like any of the songs that are in this film, but I like them in this film. And I don't really know what to make of that comment, to be honest. (laughs) Like, I don't like Blur and Coffee and TV. Mm -hmm. I don't like that Counting Crows song. Like,. (laughs) this song the song that I think and everyone in the 90s lost their virginity to (laughs) Um, I don't like any of that music but it works perfectly in this film there's a
1: really good scene the scene you actually mentioned with Reese Witherspoon making funny faces at Ryan Philippe to make him laugh and praise you by Fat Boy Slim playing on the car like another song
2: I don't like but I like in this film yeah it's very
1: good in this
2: film (laughs) it just shows though how like you can appreciate music in a film them that you wouldn't listen to elsewhere
1: see I would I would listen to all those songs maybe not the Counting Crows one but I would listen to
2: I once you've lost your virginity once that song just goes in the bin <laughs> 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 I should probably disclaimer to... this that I'm not actually I have no experience of this song <laughs> and I don't know if anybody actually ever has but I just feel like when we watch this movie (laughs) I I feel like there's other movies that have used that song for that purpose and now it's in my head I feel like
1: this film is bringing out the worst in you
2: (laughs) (laughs) It brings out the worst in everyone, that's the film So what would you rate Cruel Intentions?
1: To me Cruel Intentions is a really unique film like we said before it's so different to the other teen movies of its day it's just a bit moodier, a bit broodier, and although it's very witty, it's not as outwardly slapstick funny as it peers. I would say if Cruel Intentions was a person, it would be leaning against a wall, smoking a clove cigarette and judging you. It's
2: basically Jess from Gilmore Girls.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's very clever, and the all-star cast is basically a who's who of 1999 heartthrobs. Even though it meant I could never show my face in our price again. I'm scoring it a 7.5 out of 10. I did really enjoy re-watching it with you recently.
2: Aye, it's a it's a great laugh. I've given it a 7 out of 10. I think it it's really good fun looking at it from a purely like cinematic point of view. I don't think it's quite as clever as it thinks it is. The script is a bit shaky at times. Mm. Like Some of the dialogue, you're but like, it's oh not, dear. It's
1: not aged very it's well. It's not
2: aged well at all. There's a lot of scenes in it where you'd be thinking, oh, oh.
1: You couldn't do that now.
2: Aye. And it loses its way story-wise a yeah. few times, particularly towards the end. That the way it wraps up is a bit like what just happened there. Like It just goes off the rails a wee bit.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, but I think the main cast are really, really good and that's what holds things together and keeps the story kind of on its tracks. It's an interesting one to me when you think about it in the context of the other teen rom-coms that were released about the same time mm-hmm. using things like American Pie and She's All That and like you say slapstick comedy and this is very different from that I think it comes from like the kind of classic source material and that sort of thing it's got a wee darker edge it's mm-hmm. got the femme fatale it looks great the locations and everything like the
1: locations it, are absolutely beautiful I was
2: making fun of them earlier but they're actually like an amazing setting for a film like this it's, it's just what makes it so different from your usual run-of-the-mill small town America
1: Yeah, people trying to go to the prom like kind of film. I like that. I know that
2: Sebastian would like spit on the ground and laugh when somebody asked him to the prom, and I like that. (laughs) I like that. So, yeah, very different. I really like... Prom?
1: These people have got bigger fish to fry. They've got families to ruin. I feel like Sebastian
2: and Catherine, rather than going to the prom, were more likely to go to some sort of party akin to something and Kubrick's Eyes Wide Shut where you like have a wee mask that you hold and (laughs) it's all anonymous, that's their vibe rather than prom I would say this is going to sound maybe a wee bit weird but I just like how cold this film is like it just appeals to me it's just different from the heartwarming usual and that's it never
1: has a more Gary (laughs) (laughs) statement been made in the history of this show
2: but I do I like that I appreciate it just because it's different and it sets it apart from the other films at the time I think there's plenty of those run of the mill rom-coms it's nice and cold the people are mean and I appreciate it yeah so 7 out of 10 for me
1: that's fair that's our show did you know that you can support movie things on social media
2: you can find us at Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And if you like what you've heard, if you could leave us a wee review wherever you listen to our podcast, that would be massively appreciated.
1: Yeah, and be sure to hop over and tell us what your thoughts are on Cruel Intentions and if you think Cruel Inventions was a better title for the film.
2: And if you ever had a dear diary, what went in it?
1: Yeah. Was it just how many Twixies you ate that day?
2: And can you beat my record? I'm (laughs) guessing no. (laughs) Yeah, so if you're enjoying Movie Things pod, tell your pals.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for listening and we'll see you in the next episode.